Chapter Twenty One of Aunt Jane's Nieces on the Ranch by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Twenty One A Fortune in Tatters. Already Arthur was pulling off the bedding and piling it upon the floor. They stood back of him in an excited group, every head craned forward to watch his movements. Off came the pillows, blankets, sheets finally the mattress this last a thin cotton affair left a trail of fuzzy lint-like debris behind it and disclosed on removal a canvas cover that had been spread underneath the canvas which was about on a level with the boxed-in bed frame was as full of holes as a swiss cheese and especially toward the centre the weave had become disintegrated and given away to a dusty pulp rats exclaimed uncle john whose head was thrust between the shoulders of the major and runyon as if his cry had been a summons out sprang a huge gray rodent and the girls pushed back with loud screams as the dreaded beast struck the floor and scurried away down the passage another and another followed it and now louise patsy beth mildred and inez were all dancing on top the seats wrapping their skirts about their ankles and whooping like a tribe of indians amid this wild hullabaloo which struck terror to the hearts of the brave men assembled because at that instant they were too bewildered to realize what caused it some six or eight monstrous rats leaped from the tattered canvas which covered the bed and vanished down the stairs arthur put his hand down to raise the canvas and jumped back as he unearthed a nest of smaller vermin squirming here and there in blind endeavours to escape their disturbers runyon brought a deep brass bowl from a shelf and dumped the small rats into it standing by to capture others as they appeared gradually weldon drew back the cover and as he did so the truth of runyon's prophecy was apparent the entire space boxed in by the carved bed frame from the floor to its upper wedge packed solidly with valuable laces that is it had once been solidly packed but now the rats had eaten tunnels and nests and boulevards through the costly laces in every direction it was a scene of absolute ruin however precious this collection might once have been in its present state it was not worth a copper cent the party gazed upon the site with mingled awe and astonishment regret for the destruction of the beautiful fabrics at first rendered them oblivious to the fact that the inheritance of mildred leighton was at last recovered only to be proved worthless arthur dragged out a few scraps and spread them upon the floor thereby exhibiting portions of the beautiful patterns of the various pieces then hoping to find some that had escaped the ruthless teeth of the rats he and runyon began pulling at the heap and working downward toward the floor just a few small pieces were found intact but these were of slight value practically the entire lot was irretrievably ruined scarcely a word was spoken as the investigation proceeded beth had clasped one of mildred's hands and patsy the other but neither dared look in the poor girl's face for they dreaded the poignant disappointment sure to reign there but after the first shock mildred bore up bravely she had not expected in the beginning any tangible result still it was very bitter to find her long-sought fortune and realize that it amounted to nothing 
they sat around upon the benches or leaning against the wall and stared at the ruined laces with various emotions the keenest being regret for the loss of so much beautiful handwork and sympathy for mildred leighton suddenly runyon broke the silence this discovering is too thundering bad for mere words he said with feeling but miss travis mildred must know we're all as sorry as she is she was right about the laces but the laces are all wrong this sad exhibit reminds me of my own perverse mortgages and my mortgages remind me of something else mildred he added turning to the girl in a dogged and rather shamefaced way i'm going to hold a private conversation with you right here before our good friends for i know every one of them will back me up eh he questioned glancing around the group there were some smiles but many nods as if encouraged runyon proceeded this settles the question of your fortune it's gone vanished into scraps you're a poor girl now with no glittering prospects so what i'm going to say won't seem quite so selfish as it would otherwise in fact had these laces been perfect they would have rendered me dumb as it is here stand two impecunious ones you and i between us we haven't much more than enough to fry a fish in solid cash but among my encumbrances are a delightful little bungalow nicely furnished and a lot of lemon trees which can be coaxed to buy us groceries and ordinary comforts i'm a lonely fellow mildred and i need a companion will you marry me and look after that bungalow this extraordinary proposal was heard in breathless silence the men were astounded the girls delighted every eye turned curiously upon mildred travis who regarded the big rancher with frank wonder a wan smile upon her pallid features you do not say you love me she suggested striving through mild banter to cover her confusion well isn't that implied he answered no one would propose to a girl he didn't love would he you have only known me two days two days and seven hours but mother endorsed you and i'll bank on her judgment when the mortgages come due there won't be any bungalow she continued don't you believe it cried runyon earnestly with you to work for i'll make those tart old lemons pay the interest and a good income besides in fact if we live long enough we may even manage to reduce the mortgages you see i've been extravagant and foolish but it was because i had no aim in life the minute you say yes i'm a reformed character she shook her head and the smile faded from her face don't think me ungrateful mr runyon she said quietly unusual and and peculiar as this proposal is i believe you are sincere in what you say but you are influenced just now by pity for me and i assure you i am quite capable of earning my own living but oh mildred he's so lonely cried patsy impulsively i'm sorry for that she said but it's not my fault it will be though if you refuse declared runyon i fear i must i see he said with a sigh mother endorsed you but she didn't endorse me you've heard some tough yarns about me all true as gospel and you're prejudiced i don't know as i blame you if i were a girl i'd hesitate to reform such a desperate character i'm sure but i've the notion there's the making of a decent fellow in me if the right workman undertakes the job she looked at him earnestly now very earnestly 
in spite of the squeaky voice and the inopportune time he had chosen for such a serious proposal there was an innate manliness and ingenuousness in his attitude as he stood there unabashed and towering above the other men that seemed to her admirable and impressive both beth and patsy were reflecting that a girl might do much worse than accept bulwer runyon as a mate said mildred still speaking in the same quiet and composed voice i will give you a positive answer in three days mr runyon that delay is mere justice to us both thank you he said shall we fuss with these tattered laces any longer it hardly seems worth while now that the strain of the situation was removed they all began chattering volubly in order to give countenance to mildred runyon seemed not to need such consideration old miguel had witnessed and overheard this scene from the background and his bright black eyes had roamed restlessly from the girl's face to runyon's as if trying to read their true feelings the discovery of the laces had not drawn any exclamation from the ancient ranchero whose stolid expression nothing seemed able to disturb as the others filed down the stairs and out of the recess in the wall into the roomy nursery old miguel followed imperturbable and serene as ever in the court he touched his hat to his master i go now meest world he asked yes thank you miguel for your help i thank you too said mildred stepping forward to take the mexican's hand i remember you well miguel in the old days you often took care of me while my father and senor cristobal talked don't you remember he nodded his eyes fixed full upon her face once a friend always a friend miguel she continued brightly even today you have been trying to help me and i am grateful sometime we will have a good talk together about the old days then he went away and if one who knew old miguel zaloa could have followed him his actions would have caused surprise first he wandered deep into the orange groves where when absolutely alone he began muttering excitedly at times he would kick his booted foot viciously against a tree trunk regardless of the impact that numbed his toes and sent a tingle up his legs after a time this remarkable exhibit of passion subsided and for the period of half an hour he stood quite motionless staring straight before him and seeing nothing then he started off through the groves climbed the fence into the lane and marched away through miles and miles of the surrounding country it was growing dark when miguel at last appeared at the quarters growling at the men and ordering them to get into the groves and work they marked his ill temper and took care not to arouse his further anger in the morning he was up at daybreak and in more gentle mood directed the beginning of the day's labors End of chapter twenty one